What's up? Welcome to Flicks and Scoops. It's me, Ash. Remember? I'm squeezing together my two loves, film and ice cream. This is how it works. I invite a guest on and ask them to choose a film. I make some ice cream inspired by the film, and then I talk to my guest about ice cream, films, and anything else that may pop up. In this instalment, I went back to my hometown roots and caught up with an old friend, author Lindsay Hall, fresh off the back of her first book release. I tried frying ice cream for the first time, which we awkwardly ate as we chatted about Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Unfortunately, as with the last episode, this recording was on a hard drive that broke during transit, so it's a backup recording that we've got to a working level. I beg your forgiveness. Spoiler warning squared. If you haven't seen The Philosopher's Stone or read the book, then probably do that before listening to this episode. And even if you have seen it before, watch it again. Or I'll get JK Rowling to post some more derogatory tweets on your behalf. Now grab hold of your luggage trolleys and mug it up to the camera as we run headfirst into Flicks and Scoops episode 8. Now it's time for ice cream. And you can get it right here. Flicks and Scoops, today, back in my childhood home, with a childhood friend who's a bitch, but also a lover, as well as well as a child, and now, herself, a mother. <laughs> Please yeah. get off of Lindsay Hall. Woo! Thank you for that. <laughs> Welcome back, man. Welcome it's, back yourself. It's been a while since you've chilled around my yard. You've travelled somewhat further than I have wow. to be here. It's been so long that you're, you're a mother now. It's crazy. Mm, yeah, it's two and a half. To me, probably not so mad to you. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm used to it by now. <laughs> so he's two and a half, so have you, have you got him at home 24-7? No. Uh, no, he's back at nursery now. Um, we kept him at home until the beginning of July and then we sent him back to nursery. Thank you very much. And did you have to do any homeschooling or anything like that? I don't know what nursery is. No, it's just yeah, like dicking no. about, isn't it? No, luckily we didn't. Yeah, it's just dicking about. That's <laughs> all we did. It was great. Uh, it was actually really, really nice. I have to say, I know that this has been like a really terrible situation for a lot of people, but it has given us the opportunity to sort of be at home all together for a few months like that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah, and luckily we didn't have to homeschool, so for us it was mostly a nice experience. <laughs> we just got to play with a toddler and watch Disney movies. It was pretty good. Yeah, it's the life. And not it? have to leave the house, yeah, so. Do you normally work from home anyway, or is this whole situation been a bit unusual for you? I work from home sort of half the week and half the week in the office, so it's been normal for me. I haven't had to get used to a new setup or anything. I did buy myself a proper desk, though, because before that I was working from my sofa or bed. Um, so I had a proper desk set up from sort of April. But yeah, for me, it's been pretty normal. It's the strange thing has been having other people around. I've been able to watch whatever I wanted on the telly while I was working from home. I am one of these people that works from home like, with the telly on until now when I have to argue with my husband about what we're going to watch while we're both working from the couch. Who gets to say, usually? Usually me, let's go. Yeah. I think we better start eating, not to interrupt, yes. but I can see my uh, pasty melting as <laughs> we speak. Pasty. <laughs> I'll push the boat out of it this time. Uh, we've got fried ice cream. So it's pumpkin ice cream fried in puff pastry. And it was a good time to do it anyway because it's almost Halloween. 
I mean, I say it's almost Halloween, but I've come back and there's Christmas decorations up everywhere already. That's true. Everyone skipped Halloween. Yeah, it's depressing. But primarily because Lindsay chose Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So uh, I did it this way because they eat pumpkin pasty on the train to Hogwarts. So this is my take on on a pumpkin pasty. And they have Halloween in most of the films. Okay. I've only seen this one, so oh. wouldn't know. There are eight. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll trust your trust your judgment on this. Um, so Did yeah, you watch it specifically because I chose it. Yeah, I've seen it before. I've, yeah, I'd seen the first one before, and I'd seen Azkaban. Before. Oh, that's the best one. Yeah, mm, that's um, my favorite. But yeah, I had to watch this one again. Obviously. Yeah, I thought that the first one would be the best choice for a podcast rather than skipping somewhere in the film. No spoilers. Yeah, fair enough. I, I'm just going to try this because I've actually not tried it yet and I'm wondering it's how it's turned out. It looks okay, actually. It's delicious. I'm surprised. Although maybe it wasn't the best choice because it's messy as shit now. I'm like dripping paste everywhere. Um, it's okay. So I actually... Mm. Well, I caught Lindsay at the perfect time because she's just published her first book. Woo! Yeah. So exciting! I've got it right here, actually. So this is <laughs> this is uh, the Fair Queen, available on Amazon now. Mm-hmm. Perfect for those of you into fantasy novels, mm. or it would make a great gift for any relatives who fall into the young adult category, Definitely. or or if you want to piss someone off who's not into literature. Really hates books. <laughs> great great joke fantasy. present. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about it? What's it about? Yeah. Um, so it's about Aria, who is 17, and she lives in a sort of normal middle of England village. And then one day she's sort of kidnapped by fairy soldiers and dragged into the fair realm and discovers that there, yeah, there's another magical world on the other side of the forest where she lives. And then she's sort of attacked by various fairy creatures and discovers that there's a prophecy that they think might refer to her and it's lots of shenanigans ensue shenanigans (laughs) shenanigans i like that (laughs) um uh, can you briefly explain the process like how long did it take to write from start to finish because i've got no idea yeah in um uh, i think 2016 uh we got a dog and i started walking her um in the woods near our house we were living uh, near sherwood forest at the time mm-hmm. and i just a story just sort of started to come to me i think it's probably the setting came first and then i started just putting characters together in um, a plot so I, I i thought i could write a book you know why not why not so yeah i got on google and i had a look at how to sort of plan a, a plot how to create characters and how to structure it and format it and I just sort of started and then um that was in the summer of 2016 and I think in about September I was online you know sort of trying to integrate myself into the online writer community which yeah. is really big on Twitter and Instagram um and I discovered NaNoWriMo which is National Novel Writing Month and that's November every November mm-hmm. there's um a website and it's a sort of a not-for-profit organisation and they encourage people who want to get involved to write 50,000 words in that month so it's 1,667 words a day so it it is a bit of a challenge for some people and other people find it really easy to sort of smash that and they can triple it in the month but as a full-time working mum of a toddler it's a bit more challenging (laughs) yeah Um, so I took part in that 
and managed to sort of almost finish the first draft of what is now the Fair Queen. Um, and then I spent a few months sort of rewriting it and working on it. And then I discovered that a competition called Pitch Wars um, on Twitter, which is where you can submit your manuscript to this competition. And there are sort of a big group of mentors who are either agents or published authors or authors who have agented authors, mm. not necessarily published. So their book might not be out yet. Um, and they they sort of read the submissions and then they choose a winner from their selection of submissions right. to work with on their manuscript. So then they help you get it ready to submit to agents, which is a few months later. It's all part of the competition. They work with you to polish it up so that when the agent round comes around, it's sort of got a good chance of being chosen by a, a real agent and then getting published. Um, so I entered that in July 2017. Um, I didn't get in, but the whole process was just really helpful and I met so many more aspiring authors. Did you find it useful connecting to other people in the writing community? Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. that's one of the biggest things that helped me to sort of feel like I could do it okay. um, uh, and to stick with it because it it's a really long and arduous process <laughs> and you think that, oh, I can write a book, it'll be easy, I'll just churn some words out, but it really is it's hard work and on the days when you feel like giving up, it's really important to have like fellow authors and writers out there online that you can talk to that understand what you're going through and just encourage you along so yeah it was a really good experience um and then obviously I found out that I was pregnant with my little boy so I sort of put the idea aside for a little bit while I was I wasn't sick I, I didn't have one in sickness but it was just a tiring um time you don't really feel like sitting down of an evening and writing you're asleep by eight o'clock yeah, yeah. so um I, I took a couple of years out while he was sort of um Forming. <laughs> yes, forming and then, you know, developing into the charming two-year-old that he is now. Uh, and then in January this year, I decided that I didn't think that I wanted to publish it traditionally anymore. So I wasn't going to pursue finding an agent. I was just going to publish it myself. Yeah. Because um, within the online writing community that I've sort of found, there are so many independent authors that I follow and I've become friends with that were just a massive inspiration and made me feel like I could do it myself and also just talked about the benefits of it so you're not sort of beholden to anybody. And the money's better, <laughs> I believe. Oh, it's not worse, yeah. you know, because you can make better royalties by and not having to give them away to an agent. Do you tend to send your work to each other to critique or get feedback on? Or? Yeah, um, a lot of people do. Uh, a lot of people have got critique partners um, and you find beta readers and things that you sort of share. Mm -hmm bits and bobs with um I did mine was back when I was sort of in pitch wars that was a, a big part of entering the competition was you all were on sort of forums together and uh, submitting you know this is the opening to my story what does everyone think and you'd get sort of hundreds of comments from people saying I think it's really good or if you just tweaked that or this um yeah so it, you know it's a big part of it is sharing your work and getting feedback that's the best thing really is that helps you grow and get better yeah nice and have you based so the fair queen have you based any of it on your own experience i mean the setting of course but are any of the characters autobiographical i want to say no but i bet that's a lie <laughs> um i presume that people who know me and read it will feel like some parts of aria are 
That's what I, I was agree. thinking. Yeah, sometimes she can be a bit... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she can be a bit um, stubborn. And I imagine that some of me has ended up going into her at the very least. It's not all the characters. When I was 17. Well, that's why I wanted to ask. So I, I started reading it, I was like, is this based on her or what? <laughs> is this based on a true story? <laughs> yeah. I read the acknowledgements as well. Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be a few glaring omissions. I did, uh, I did leave you out. You'll definitely be in the. Don't, don't want to too much. No, I said I was pretty, pretty instrumental in your in your formative years. That is true. You definitely were. <laughs> well, um, watching lots of movies in your room. That's true, actually. What was it like, Pirates of the Caribbean? Probably bullshit like that. I love Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, just make sure they um, keep the director's chair empty when they come knocking for a film deal. I will do. My name's yeah. on the back, yeah. Don't forget how to spell it. Have you ever thought about um, scripting a film or TV series? Is it something that you think you'd be interested in pursuing? Or? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would absolutely love if somebody adapted The Fair Queen into a film. And I think that it would actually suit becoming a film really well. I think the story would look good on screen. But I, yeah, I think it's a totally different style of writing. Um, so it'd take a whole lot more sort of learning research and practicing for it to be me that did it I'm happy for that to be somebody else's responsibility right I think it, yeah it's nice when writers have um, some sort of input when their book is being adapted into TV or film um, just to make sure that it does reflect the story that's in the book but uh, yeah I don't think I'm I don't think I'm a screenwriter but you watch a lot of TV and films but I do watch a lot of TV and films <laughs> I like to watch them especially having a, like having a kid watch. inside <laughs> yes Perfect I've constantly time. got Netflix on. Well, let's. I'm going to put this ice cream down. I think because I'm pretty full already. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of pressure. Really yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm just like sweating balls. Yeah. <laughs> My mum's got the heating on like fifty or whatever. I think she's the, the nesh's person. <laughs> I know. Curious. Very curious. Sorry. What's curious? So, firstly, are you a flicker or a scooper? I don't understand the question. Mm, nobody ever does, <laughs> annoyingly. I think I'm a flicker. Is this... I don't own an ice cream scoop. That is Is neither. that instrumental in being a scooper? <laughs> it's neither. The hooks and crooks of the question is, do you prefer watching films or eating ice cream? Oh! I thought you just meant, are you terrible at getting ice cream out of the tub when it's really hard, which I am. Oh, ah, yeah, so I flick. <laughs> yeah. Um, Flicking is a sign of impatience. Are you, uh, are you a flicker in that sense? I am impatient, Oh, yeah. uh, okay. Yes, probably another thing that ended up in Ari's character. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, both. Probably more of a flicker than a scooper. I do enjoy ice cream, but I probably watch a lot more movies than I eat ice cream, to be honest. Yeah, right. Mm. Same. Uh, and when you do eat ice cream, do you prefer it in a cup or a cone? Cup. A tub. Definite. Do you like a tub? I am a tub girl. Definitely. Is there any reasoning behind it or is it just inherent? I like to be able to eat it with a spoon. Oh, classic. I prefer a spoon. Oh, you know, one of those little plastic or wooden shovels that they provide. Elven shovels. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm not much for just eating it with my hand and then, yeah. Do you give your kid much ice cream or sugar, or are you trying to be super healthy in that respect? We started off trying to be <laughs> quite healthy, and then you quickly realise that, you know, anything for an easy life. So it, he 
We don't give it so much ice cream. I think he kind of turned his nose up at the vanilla ice cream that we gave him, but he loves an ice lolly. Sounds like a dick. He's an ice lolly guy, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Each mm. to their own. <laughs> uh, um, when you go buy ice cream in an ice cream shop, mm-hmm. what's the ice cream of choice? You've oh. got one scoop. What is chocolate. it? Chocolate. Always chocolate. My guy. Always chocolate. I do like pistachio. Quite a few people have said pistachio on this mm. show. And I have, I'm not copying them. I did not hear that. <laughs> and when you go to the cinema, is ice cream usually your snack of choice? Yes, 100%. If they've got like a Baskin Robbins or something, then I'll get a ice cream brownie sundae. All right. Hot chocolate sauce. Definitely. Cool. Yeah, I'm not one of these hot dogs or nachos people. I've never understood. Ice cream sundae all the way. Like having a meal. It's so messy as well. Like I mean I know the ice cream could be, but um, you know you're more likely to spill ketchup and mustard down yourself than you are an ice cream. Yeah. And it's so expensive as well. Uh if yeah. you get like hot dog nachos and all that shit. Like you may as well just go out and beforehand. eat. Yeah. yeah. Always go for dinner before or after. Uh, do you go to the cinema a lot when you could? Well we did and then we had a baby and then we do, that's what we would choose to do if we sort of get like a, someone will watch the baby for the night. <laughs> if we have mm. a grandparent um, watching Joey for the night, then yeah, we would definitely go to the cinema. That's our favourite thing to basically do. Cool. Although now everything is streamed, so it's becoming much easier to not have to do that. It's a weird time, mm. isn't it? Um, I think it's good, because it does mean things will become more accessible. But it's a shame. Um, where I work is just down the road from the showroom in Sheffield. Oh, yeah. And we went for a, um, a meeting to discuss, like, potentially using them for a Christmas party venue. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. This was sort of before the rule of six was all announced. And now it's looking like we probably won't be able to have a works Christmas party. Um, but, yeah, it's just a shame. They, you know, they've had to sort of minimise the number of people that they're allowing in. And it's massively impacting on the whole arts and creative industry it's it's a shame at the moment yeah totally i mean we're recording this early october so it's just been announced that cineworld are closing their uk and us branches Mm -hmm. temporarily and it's it's a difficult time i don't know how to take it because it could go either way i mean in, in the one hand it's a shame that almost the whole industry is reliant on these like monolith films like James Bond or Marvel releases or whatever to the point where if they pull out they're screwed but having said that what it might do now is pave the way for more independent cinemas who maybe aren't so reliant upon those releases to get more of a more of an audience in and independent filmmakers yeah exactly yeah definitely hopefully it could be good in that way sort of kill off the monopoly a little bit but yeah, at the moment, with they not being able to sort of open, really. It's difficult to say. In, it's, yeah. Cause it, it's yeah. hit that industry hard. Yeah, and on the other hand, people might not want to take a risk on independent films, you know, producing them or making yeah. them, whatever. that's true. Um, so let's see. I mean, people are so used to streaming things now as well. Yeah. There's going to be less of an incentive to even leave the house. No, yeah, so it's still fine for sort of the actors and the people are making the TV and movies, but a lot of sort of venues that you would go to normally are going to end up closing, I think. Yeah, but you watch a lot of films anyway, you said, right? What subscriptions you got? What what subs you got? Ooh, we, we've, we've got Sky. We're Sky everything 
family. <laughs> We've got he, he will not have Sky if we don't have the sports. Okay. And I don't want to have it if we don't have the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think we've also got the box sets. Um and we've also got Netflix and Disney Plus. Of course. We're not Amazon Prime people. No, there's a lot of things on there that I do want to watch, but I just think that would be one subscription too many. It's okay, but um even the system itself is pretty shoddy, mm. I think. Uh, I recently got what did I get movie. Have you heard of that? No. It's more of an art house thing, but they've got some great stuff on there, and they change it monthly. Yeah. So, I mean, this stuff on my Netflix watch list has been sat on there for too long. Same. Whereas with this, you're kind of forced into watching it, which I quite like. If you're into a deadline. Yeah, yeah. Watch this or you'll lose it. Yeah, no. Yeah. So why did you choose Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone? I chose Harry Potter because it was... It was probably the most formative sort of books and films of like my childhood and adolescence, I okay. suppose. Um, I know that um, J.K. Rowling's made some really sort of harmful transphobic comments on Twitter and recently, which is really disappointing because obviously she was my favourite author growing up. Um, and I, I wouldn't want anyone to think that I agreed with anything that she said. Um, but Harry Potter's sort of taken on its own life form, almost. It's such a big franchise that I think that it's it's almost separate from her, it, or I'm able to separate it from her because it was such a big part of my childhood and growing up. So I don't necessarily support anything that she stands for anymore, but Harry Potter will always live on as my favourite books and movies yeah well I'm glad you brought that up actually I was going to ask you anyway what your take on that whole mm. situation was um, it's a shame because the one thing that I liked about uh, the Harry Potter series is that usually studios buy these things to make a franchise to just make a shit ton of money this one feels more authentic and I think that's mainly to do with uh, J.K. Rowling because she made sure she only sold the rights to it if she was heavily involved in the decision-making. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, with all this transphobic stuff, she's kind of gone down in my estimation. Yeah, I think she has in a recently. lot of people. So, yeah, there's a lot of people um, online that they completely cannot enjoy Harry Potter anymore. Mm. And I can understand why. Um, I've got friends and family that are transgender that I would never want to think that I support any of her views, but... For me, Harry Potter is is my childhood, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I want to be able to continue to enjoy it without having it sort of connected to her and her beliefs. <laughs> Have you read the new one of hers about this no, serial killer? No, I pre-ordered the audiobook on Audible um, without knowing anything about it, and I'd only, I didn't realise she was writing another one um, of the strike books. I've watch the BBC adaptations of the others um, and when it popped up I pre-ordered it and then on release day there was all this sort of furore about you know what she'd sort of included in it which mm. is the transvestite element of one of the crimes yeah I, I've not read uh, any of them but especially not the new ones mm. I think we've probably had countless conversations about how little I care for Harry Potter. <laughs> I remember I did start reading The Philosopher's Stone when it first came out, yeah. but 
I disliked it that much that I, really? I couldn't even finish it. Yeah. You know me though. I've always, I've always been rock and roll. That's true. <laughs> Too cool for school. Um, and I'll sp- yeah, I'll well, sp- it's my favourite, and I'm the guest. Well, this is it. It's all part <laughs> and parcel of this whole concept. Is that so far you haven't been forced to watch any movies that you don't enjoy? So true. So I'll let this one slide. I'm proud. To I mean, I let myself in for it. So probably would have coped a bit better if you'd have chosen Azkaban. Mm. But what you said about it being the first in the series makes complete sense. Yeah, that was the, the only reason for the choice. Azkaban is my favourite one. Okay, nice. Um, do you remember the first time you saw Philosopher's Stone? It would have been as soon as it came out um, at the cinema, but I don't remember what year that was. What year did the movie come out? I don't remember either. <laughs> uh, how many times have you seen it since? Do you watch Millions. it a lot? Yeah, all the time. Yeah? Um, yeah, Harry Potter's my movie series that I will put on, especially when it's coming up to sort of autumn, winter months. I will watch the whole series through and through. I watched it last week, start to finish. Because of this or just for fun? Just for fun. Oh, right. But I did know that this was coming. <laughs> Is Joey old enough to realise what he's watching? Have you been getting him into this sort of stuff? He is old enough to know what he's watching, so he's not really interested because it's real. So it's not cartoon characters, he's not bothered. So he doesn't sit and watch Harry Potter, like the first couple that would be safe for him to watch um, with me. No, we have to watch um, Peppa Pig. Wow. So I wait till he's in bed. (laughs) (laughs) You put him to bed at like three in the afternoon. Shut up. (laughs) One thing I would like to ask you about is, do you think... Fidelity to the text is as important as a film having its own artistic license to be judged as a separate entity. And yeah, I did write it down. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think fidelity to the text is more important. Um, I think some screenwriters can do an amazing job of adapting a book for TV and film and being really loyal, but also making it something that can stand on its own which I think Harry Potter can I think it's one of my favorite adaptations for being just the right amount of loyal to the original and the right amount of a totally new thing of its own yeah. um, I'd say Hunger Games as well is another series that they did an amazing job of adapting the story so that it worked for the screen but it was it was a, a strong representation of what the book was um so no, I don't think that it needs to be perfectly loyal. For example, they had to cut out quite a lot, I imagine, of the Harry Potter, especially if they got to the later ones, mm. because they were so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the films could only be an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, I had nothing to judge it on, so I don't have a clue what they cut out. But yeah. like I said, I, I imagine I quite a lot. I don't remember now, because I, I read the book and I probably reread it before a couple of the others were released, the way you, you read the sort of couple before um, when the new one's about to come out, but I haven't read it for 15 years. Do you, have, do you ever reread books that you've read before? Um, sometimes, but that would be the main reason is because I knew that the new one in the series was coming out and I wanted to catch up with what I'd read a year or two ago and okay. didn't remember. I don't, I don't like have comfort reads where... I just want to read something so that I'm enveloped in a world that I'm used to. I, I only really reread to remind myself of what the story is. Yeah, I've never understood that, really. Mm. Reading something again. I Maybe when I'm older, 
and I've got bugger all else to do. I'll <laughs> reread some of my favourite books, but yeah. I'd rather read something new. Same, yeah, and there's so many books out there and there's so many being released every day. I just think you're never going to manage to read them all, but at least you can try. No, I would agree with you about the fidelity to the text because <laughs> although I do think it's difficult because especially something such as Harry Potter, they come with a ready-made fan base that have mm. got a really in-depth knowledge of the text and they, they've also got preconceived notions of how things should look, how the characters should be. And then when you add in suits from a studio, it ends up being constrictive to, uh, from an artistic perspective. Mm. I think that's the main thing it seems to come from the reading community is that they want the characters to look exactly like the author described them. And I can understand why... But it's not possible to find some, an actor that's sort of the right sort of age and look and is available yeah. <laughs> to, to do the film. So I can understand why. They, and I think that for diversity purposes, it's necessary sometimes to cast people differently. For example, with the Cursed Child play, when they cast um, a black woman as Hermione, and there was a lot of discussion online about whether that was right or wrong, because Hermione isn't black in the books, but it doesn't matter what race character was in the book, if they're right for the role. Yeah, definitely. One of the best ones recently was uh, David Copperfield. Have you seen that one? It's got Dev Patel, who's in the lead role. Yes, I haven't watched that, but I do want to. I wasn't that much of a fan of the film, but what I enjoyed was it felt like genuine colourblind casting. Mm. Like he'd been cast because he was actually really suited to that role. Yeah, the best actor for the role. Yeah. Well you also if you if you're able to stray away from the text, you also get you're able to play with different ideas and explore different themes maybe. Yeah. Uh, I mean some of the there's some great films that strayed from the text, like Blade Runner, There'll Be Blood, Shining, like Stephen mm. King publicly spoke out of it against Kubrick's Shining, but it's, it's incredible. It's such a good film. It has Philosopher's Stone film had an influence on your life at all? The film specifically? We're talking about <laughs> films here. I know. I would say yes, probably. Um, I think that what I was quite a formative age when I watched it, and Hermione was probably quite a big influence on me as I grew up I was bookish I was just sort of a year or two into secondary school and I wasn't necessarily having the best time Mm -hmm. um I did get bullied at school and so I probably did find a lot of comfort in seeing you know someone else who was quite smart and and bookish that wasn't necessarily super popular I mean even Ron and Harry don't necessarily like her all the time um but she becomes their great friend and yeah I think it was probably did have an effect on me yeah yeah inspiring nice yeah reassuring I must say it kind of winds me up sometimes when people are like oh what else are you I'm such a griffin dog (laughs) I don't know I just think you're 28. I did have um, that. I was Hufflepuff in, oh, my, no. in all of my social media no. bios until recently, but they're not there anymore. So what are the houses? is Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, Gryffindor and Slytherin. Yes. What's, can you give me like a brief description no. of each? 
Uh, yes, a rough one. I can't remember exactly what they're all associated with. But um, Gryffindor is a griffin and it's red and gold and that's bravery, courage, that kind of thing. Ravenclaw, obviously Raven, um, I hope. That's the blue house and they are smart. Hufflepuff is yellow, it's a badger and it's loyalty. Um, and Slytherin is the snake and it's green and cunning and ambitious everyone thinks that Slytherin is the evil house but it's not necessarily I think that she says that the most evil wizards have come out of that house but it doesn't mean that you necessarily are just because you're a Slytherin you can just be really ambitious and really cunning and clever right um gets a bad rep yeah 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 um so the you mentioned you relating to Hermione when you were in school and stuff do you did you think it was good casting in the film or does it detract from certain aspects of the story so like I don't know from what I remember Hermione is supposed to be quite geeky right and all these actors are Mm. pretty good looking I think that's the problem with the I think that's occupational hazard with Hollywood um everything has to be slightly more attractive than outside of Hollywood so she was well cast she does a good job of Hermione Emma Watson. Um, I think things like she's supposed to have quite book teeth and there's a scene at the end of the first movie where they get in on the train to leave, which I think was the first scene they shot of the whole film. So she's got fake teeth in, but they, they got in the way of her speaking her lines. So they oh, ended is, up- is that in the film? It's at the end, and all they're doing is waving goodbye. Ah. So you see that she's got these book teeth. I did not notice that. But for the rest of the film, she's not wearing them because mm. she couldn't speak through them. It's sort of the same with um, Daniel Radcliffe. He had to wear, or tried to wear, green contact lenses because Harry's eyes are supposed to be green. Right. But the scene, the first scene that they shot with him, his eyes were so red and watering because they weren't reacting to the contact lens as well that they just didn't make him wear them for the rest of the time. And people had an issue with the fact that he, Harry's not supposed to have um I think he's got blue eyes is he so one thing that I'd like to know what you think is <laughs> do the Dursleys get a bad rap no they're terrible they're the worst of humanity okay well then <laughs> do you think let me let, well then let me put forward my arguments okay. in in defense mm. of the Dursleys oh. so firstly they put themselves in a vulnerable position by agreeing to look after Harry in the first place so then, uh, what's the name? Petunia mm. has had a lifetime of being overlooked, overshadowed by a sister, and then gets lumped with a kid. Mm. Okay, shit in the first place. But to be fair to him, they're dressing like a hipster. He's got a kind of <laughs> cool haircut and glasses. <laughs> He's got cord trousers, nice little French tuck T-shirt. Pretty cool. I think that's just Dudley's hand-me-downs. <laughs> I would wear that shit, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm sure they're expensive clothes because they're originally for Dudley. Oh. Um, then they make him aware of fallacies. So they're like, hey, magic's not real. So it's just, you know, like telling a kid Santa's not real. In my eyes. But in the story, Santa is real. Fuck the, Magic is fuck the story. <laughs> <laughs> After all this trouble that they've gone through, mm. they, get, they then get doxxed and harassed by gangs of malicious owls to the point where they have to <laughs> move to a deserted island to avoid a mental breakdown. And then 
Hagrid comes and fat shames Dudley. Mm. Plus the fact they've ensured that Harry can cook and not burn a breakfast yes, before, before he's a teenager. <laughs> there you go. So are they actually bastards or are they moulding him to be a well-adjusted adult? <laughs> um, I would say they're actually bastards. <laughs> um, but I can see your side of the argument. We'll say that. Thanks. I think they're just misunderstood. They are. And there is one argument I've seen online that Harry, oh, this is a spoiler for... A much later film, if you haven't read the book or something. Uh-oh. Who cares? He turns out to be a Horcrux, which is a part of Voldemort's soul embedded itself in him when he tried to kill him. And this curse bounced back, giving him his lightning bolt scar. And anyone who's around Horcruxes becomes nasty and ill-mannered. And so there's a, a sort of headcanon theory out there that because Harry was a Horcrux and they were around him all the time, it turned them the way that they are. Ah, okay. Mm, not sure I agree. I would. <laughs> Potential explanation. He's a, little, he's a little shit. It's all his fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your favourite scene in the film? Anything in the Great Hall with all the feasts, so the Christmas meal. I love anything like that. Oh, yeah. Why is yeah. that? Why is that? I don't know, it just feels homely and cosy and that is the kind of image of school that I would have loved to have gone to. Um, you can go to the, the Great Hall of the studio tour in Watford. Have you been to that studio I've been a tour? Of times. Oh, yeah, of um yeah, and they have all the tables laid out and they've got fake food on there. Mm. The Christmas puddings burst into flames and things. It's just magical. How does it work that studio tour though? Is it like um, like a walk around, or is it interactive? Have they just got like a film set that you just look at, or can you walk it's, in and out of it? It's like? a bit of both. So you walk through the whole Great Hall, and then you get into a sort of open warehouse where there's um, like a guided tour. You can listen to the audio on the headphones um, with pieces from the costume and different bits of the set and things. And then there are different areas of the tour that are sort of the potions classroom. So you can't walk into it, but you can see the whole set that they used for filming the, right. in the potions classroom or in Dumbledore's office, you can walk around that. Um, and then they've got an outside bit and you can go into the house. So for Privet Drive, they've got a full scale version of four private drive that you can go in and have a wander around and they've got the night bus out there and things so it's a bit of both it's a mixture of just lots of bits from the scenery and the costumes and things is there any uh fairground rides no it's not like disney it's nothing like disney okay <laughs> no i did hear a few years back that they were considering making one but then they've got harry potter world at disney world now in florida so i think that's probably it oh it's actually in disney is it yeah but of course. Yeah, nothing's coming to England, unfortunately. Americans have stolen Harry Potter from us. Yeah. But I'm assuming there's they're big on the merchandise still. Yes, definitely. Of course. You can get every wand. Every person that's ever mentioned wand in the shop. Oh, yeah. Mm. Have you got one? No. <laughs> Good. Honestly, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> we went to um, Dubrovnik a couple of years ago. Mm. And that was like a mini Disney, but for Game of Thrones, it's it's awful. Oh, oh yeah. It's just too much. Like the the architecture is the same as it was hundreds of years ago, so it looks incredible. Yeah. But then you've got like candy shops in there and all this sort of stuff, so it just completely removes you from that. Yeah. From that historical element, anyway. 
Yeah, so they've jumped on the Game of Thrones bandwagon since it was filmed there, have they? Yeah. I mean, it was like 30 quid just to walk around the wall on the outskirts. Oh, right. <laughs> Something that would have been free before Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. One thing that I was looking at was I was watching a few interviews with the director, um, and he, he didn't complain about it, but he said he thought the CGI lets the film down a little bit. Do you think it does? I don't personally. It has improved from the sort of the first movie to the last movie and then obviously beyond that because even the last movie came out years ago. Um, but I just think it's charming and adds to the magical, but also sort of aimed at children effect. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it's always difficult looking back on a film because you compare it to modern CGI. And I must admit, when I was watching it, I was thinking, hmm, they don't seem to be relying so heavily on CGI. They're doing stuff like when McGonagall turns into a cat using shadows, yeah. or if there's an explosion, they'll cut away and then cut back. But then <laughs> pretty much the moment that thought had crossed my mind, they went overdrive with the CGI, and it was like the trial, the quidditch, blah, blah, blah. That's um, true. Yeah. Um, the quidditch. I think it, I think it looked quite good. I didn't for think, the time. For the time. I didn't for think the, the Quidditch was so bad. It was probably the, the troll. That, the troll is terrible. The if you look too closely, you can see that when he's swinging. Is it Hermione or Ron? Mm. And he's, oh, it's Harriet. <laughs> the other one. That other character. <laughs> <laughs> the unnecessary character. He's swinging Harry about. You can see that it's a cartoon version of Harry. Yeah. 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 Also... Never realised that the director was the guy who did Home Alone. Neither did I. Yeah. Learn something every day. Right. There's funny similarities that once I knew that, I noticed. Like, Mm. he's obviously a big fan of explosion blackface. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. James (laughs) again. Yeah. Because, what was the... Oh, yeah. uh, John Williams did the score for Harry Potter. Mm. And I was looking into it, and he also did the score for Home Alone. Oh, right. And he's like... They like working together. Must have. But he's done like iconic shit like Jaws. I think that the Harry Potter score is iconic. Harry Potter score is iconic, I think it's actually. excellent. I quite like the it. The music is probably one of the best parts. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's uh, it's well suited. It is. It's perfect. Do you listen to many film scores? Um, I do when I'm writing. I listen to, okay. yeah, um, film scores just to have some background i don't like to sit in silence but also i can't really watch tv whilst i'm writing and trying to come up with a story yeah um so yeah i'm not very good at suiting the music to the scene that i'm writing like using something epic <laughs> whilst it's a romantic scene or but yeah no i, I yeah i listen to film scores on Spotify. And is, does it have to be stuff that's uh without lyrics ideally for me yeah yeah, yeah. otherwise i get distracted yeah. yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> What's your favourite co- sort of scene to write? I think action scenes, mm. actually. I think anything that, yeah, that's a little bit tense and scary and gets your heart racing a bit. I, th- I find that flows a bit more and comes out of my fingers a bit quicker than scenes where they're sitting around talking mm. um, and there's a lot of sort of backstory and exposition kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I get more into the zone when I'm writing a scene where there's a monster attacking. So which character do you relate to, if any? And 
If you don't, there's a second part to the question, which is, is there anything in the film that particularly resonates with you or reminds you of something in your own life? I think, like I said, Hermione. I can relate to Hermione. Um, But Ron is actually my favourite character. I just think he's funny and I just love the the fact that he's sort of not from a big, famous, wealthy, pure-blood family and he's just got lots of siblings and a good sense of humour and he just seems like the kind of person you'd want to be friends with if you really did know. Yeah, I think for me it's Snape. Uh, I maybe, love Snape. I, maybe I don't relate to him, but it's, it's top casting. I, I yeah, I'm team Snape. I know that there's a lot of... Uh, controversy about <laughs> people can't decide whether they love him or hate him whether he really was a baddie or whether he was a goodie but I'm team Snape I think he was a goodie in the end he loved Lily Potter <laughs> always uh, well again I, I suppose it's like the misconception of the Dursleys you know I empathise with that weariness that he has of the whole wizard bullshit yeah <laughs> I, I think it's jealousy you think it's jealousy yeah I do I think that Petunia I mean specifically uh, especially was jealous of her sister being magical when she wasn't but yeah could be but it I mean in terms of Snape like at the end for example Dumbledore just throwing out points to Gryffindor willy-nilly how many times has Snape seen that happen and he's just like so he's bored of it well what's this yeah I'm kind I agree with that to some extent I think Dumbledore does take the piss a bit with handing out the points. Good. <laughs> I'll yeah. let you agree. <laughs> uh, plus, I love Alan Rickman's delivery of stuff where he's like, talks very fast in the beginning, hangs, and then comes out at the end. He is an incredible actor. He was. Oh, I cried my eyes out the day he died. Did you? Yeah, I did. I genuinely cried for a couple of hours. Is that the only person that you cried over? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it was really bizarre, but yeah. It was a bit weird for me with Bowie. Oh, yeah. Actually, I think because just before that, we had a massive phase of it because he just put his mouth mm. But what were you crying over, do you think? I don't know. I think that it was, it's going to sound really wanky, uh, <laughs> but like the end of like the innocence where, you know, I know obviously Richard Harris died sort of in the middle of, of the series. Oh, he tapped out after philosophers stood like, fuck this noise. I think he was in two. Oh, was it? It was in the second one? Yeah, and then it's Michael Gambon from that point. Um, But yeah, I think it was, well, that's, you know, that's it now. Snape's dead and, you know, Harry Potter's over. Yeah. I'd have to accept that when the book series finished, when the film series finished. (laughs) Did you take it hard on both occasions? I think it was probably easier when the book series finished because I knew that there were still films to come out. But the story itself was over. Had you not grown out of it by that no, point? No, I was still carrying the new book around as soon as I'd got it everywhere. I went standing up, reading it while I was waiting for things. Oh, oh this? Oh, it's just, just a new book. <laughs> <laughs> no, have you, no, have no you I seen didn't those... speak to people. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen those new ones, the crimes of... Grindelwald. Yeah, yeah the one. Fantastic Beasts and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. What are they like? Um... It's, I like them, but it's not the same. Is it a different story? Is it the same world? It's the same world. It's some of the same characters. So it's a prequel from before Voldemort, before Harry, but Dumbledore is in it. Right. As a a young Dumbledore. 
as a sort of 40-year-old Jude Law Dumbledore. Okay. Yeah, with no beard. No long beard. No long hair. I'd like to see when he starts to decide to grow those. But very dashing. <laughs> very handsome. <laughs> yeah. Makes you have some strange feelings about Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really nice to return to the, the world. Um, but yeah, it's just not quite as heartwarming because it's not really a, a children-focused story. That makes sense. You mean not focused on children characters? Yeah. Or not aimed at children? Both. Oh, okay. It's quite a lot darker. What would you see if you looked into the mirror of Erised? Oh, this is going to sound really sad, but I think it would be old me, sort of, you know, lying on my deathbed, sort of surrounded by family. <laughs> no, I just think that that, because it's it's what you, you'd sort of hope for and dream for, of. And that would be knowing that I'd had a long, happy, healthy life and that I had all these loved ones around me. And then obviously a bookshelf full of my published books. Okay. <laughs> wow, what I don't, don't, don't know how to react to that. Really. What would you see? Me, I would say... Are you holding the house the, cup? The end credits of this film. Oh. Wee. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, what I would like is, and I suppose that's the reason why I'm doing this podcast and website, what have you, mm-hmm. I would like a little venue where I can sell ice cream and screen films. And I realise I've just described the cinema. You've just described the showroom in Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, but I mean, I'm, a, I'm more like a... Just cinema. <laughs> on a low-key low sort of thing. So maybe it's just like 15, 20 seats or something. So it's something. your house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something like that, you yeah, know. Yeah, just a cinema room in your back of your house. But tell me more about this deathbed stuff. I want to get I want to get deeper dark. Oh, no. Um, is it through illness? Or you mean you just led a oh, long, healthy life? Yeah. Just old age, happy, ready to say goodbye, surrounded by people who love me and enjoyed my books. So you'd rather know <laughs> when you're going to die as opposed to oh, it being like really sudden? That's a deep question. Mm, it depends what you're scared of, doesn't it? Are you scared of the process of dying or are you scared of death and being dead? And I'm more scared of the process of dying, so I guess I'd prefer it to be sudden. Mm. But in bed. Surrounded by that. <laughs> <laughs> you said, oh, do you think about death a lot? Oh, God. Um, Sorry. We, I mean, we can yeah, rewind if you want, but yeah. I would imagine from being a mother now, I'm more do. so, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably a lot. Yeah. Um, I've got anxiety, so I get sort of invasive thoughts sometimes um, about, yeah, maybe this car's going to hit me um, while I'm driving along or... Yeah, what would happen if I got sick and obviously Joey? So yeah, it's something that I definitely think about and worry about. Hopefully yeah. not an excessive amount. Yeah, me Hopefully too. not an unusual amount. I think everybody thinks about. Of course, and <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm speaking for myself, but I'm, I'm guessing it's the same with you. But as you get older, obviously you think about it more. Mm-hmm. When I hit thirty, I was like, holy shit, that's how fast life goes. Yeah, it's weird. Isn't Did it? you find it hard then, thirty? Not necessarily, because I'm in a fortunate position where I still live the life of a 25-year-old, <laughs> which is nice. Um, 25, that was very specific. <laughs> is that, I think you've 25, not grown since you were 25. Basically, 25 <laughs> is a good cut-off point. It's like, it's pretty much an adult. Still but young. Yeah. Still living life. I could still be an idiot, you know. I've just got a couple of questions that I would like clearing up, because obviously you've got a way vaster knowledge of 
the book than I have. Oh, but a couple of things I was thinking of, and I didn't know if they were movie mistakes, is why did they get told not to go into the Forbidden Forest or be out after hours? And then for their detention, they get sent to the Forbidden Forest after hours. Yeah, I would like to know that too. <laughs> and that's sort of, uh, I, I think that's exactly what happens in the book. It's not a, not something they've changed from oh, okay. the book. But it's not necessarily explained why the forest is so forbidden, but for their first sort of detention, they're sent off as 11-year-olds into the uh, wilderness alone when Hagrid's well aware that something's been killing unicorns. He knows that there's something out there that could attack them, but it's just by Harry and Draco. So it's just a load of bollocks. It it was a plot point. <laughs> Maybe needs further explanation. <laughs> I can't remember actually because it's been so long that I read the book that maybe it's slightly more explained in the book, but it's definitely not in the film. Mm. Uh, the other thing that happens in the film was they the first year students' luggage is already in the rooms, mm-hmm. even though they didn't already have a house. Is that is that also a mistake or no? That's magic. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. I'm fairly sure they just snap their fingers and they end up in the rooms where they're meant to be. Oh, in God. an instant. Get you to Dursley's. Get Dursley's around here. It's the house elves, isn't it? Quite dobby. Ah, that's something that they leave out of the films from the books. So there Is are he a in lot, the first there one? Are a lot of ha- no, but there are a lot oh. of house elves that work at Hogwarts, but they're never mentioned in the films okay there's a whole storyline where um i can't remember which book it's in but hermione starts society for the protection of elvish welfare spew and she's campaigning for the house elves that work at hogwarts to get more rights but they cut it out of the movie Mm. yeah so the house elves can obviously like dobby snaps his fingers and apparate oh is that what they call it it's not just disapparate yeah um so that's what they do with the luggage, yeah. in my in my opinion. Okay, so yeah, it's probably not a mistake. <laughs> uh, lastly, or last question anyway, mm. uh, which is a new one since the last one, is I would like you to tell me your favourite fact or piece of trivia about the film. Oh, it's a good one. Um, I think it's probably that, you've not read the book, so... You won't know about this, but there's... there's <laughs> I'm just a muggle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know the ghosts. So you've got Nearly Headless Nick and um, the Bloody Baron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a poltergeist called Peeves who sort of got up to hilarious shenanigans throughout the books, um, unscrewing chandeliers so they'd fall down on people's heads and just, you know, being a bit of a lad, getting up to some mischief. And they did cast Rick Mail. And they filmed scenes with him. And in the end, they decided to cut them out. Not because he wasn't great, because it added nothing to the story. It wasn't necessary and they needed to cut time. Mm. So he ended up on the cutting room floor. Boo. Yeah, boo. Are they deleted scenes on the DVD or anything? No, I don't believe so. I think back in 2011 when they made them, it wasn't as common to include stuff like that. I think some of the later ones have extras, but not necessarily the first couple. Mm. All right, let me hit you with my trivia. So the word muggle existed in the early to mid-1900s as a jazz word that was used for weed smokers. Really? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Wow, those days. Like, those fucking muggles. Those muggles. <laughs> Cheeky muggles. Throw in the danger! Throw in the 
Well, the only thing left that we have to do then is rate the film out of five. Ah, see. Are you I... are you familiar with the star system? Uh, remind me. Okay, well, firstly, forget everything you know about the star system. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then you have to rate the film out of five scoops. Wow. One is poor, five is <laughs> excellent. Is it? Okay. I have actually listened to some previous episodes where you discussed that people are choosing movies because they're their favourite movies, mm. so they're always going to give them five. But I'm going to give it four because I do think it's a really good adaptation from the book i think it's a really enjoyable movie but it's definitely not as good as some of the later ones i.e prisoner of azkaban which is the best in the series so four stars four scoops scoops four scoops well recovered mm-hmm. thank you good save. i would disagree but i think three is okay i think it's an average film i yeah. think as a setup to a franchise i think it's solid yes Agreed. And I, I would probably enjoy it more if I liked Harry Potter. but You definitely would enjoy it more if you liked Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a while since it I've has. seen it. Years and years. I've got a couple of homecoming episodes, actually. I'm uh, recording with Ian tomorrow. Oh, that'll be good. What movie are you doing? He's doing uh, with Nell and I. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That'd be a good one. Um, but before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug on social media? Where can people find you? People can find me at Lindsay Hall on Instagram and at Lindsay Hall underscore on Twitter because somebody else had already stolen my name. What a bitch. I know. Um, and you can find The Fair Queen on Amazon in both ebook and paperback. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll see you in the kitchen. <laughs> That's more pumpkin pasta yeah. ice cream. Bye. Finito, baby. Make sure you follow the Flicks and Scoops podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you fancy yourself as a tastemaker, then please rate us on Apple Podcasts and comment which film you'd choose and what ice cream you'd make for it. Coming up next week, it's the turn of food recommender, A Seat in Sheffield. We're going to plough through a selection of booze and ice cream to talk about the British cult classic with Nail and I. Don't forget, there's all my ice cream recipes and film nonsense on flicksandscoops.com as well as socials at Flicks and Scoops. See you next time. Now it's time for ice cream. And you can get it right here. Ice, 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 ice cream.